Morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Thursday, November 9th. On this date, way back in 1620, the passengers and crew of the Mayflower sighted Cape Cod. And here's some trivia for you on this Thursday morning. On this date in 1967, Rolling Stone magazine began publication. But who appeared on the magazine's very first cover? I'll have that answer coming up. But first, it's time to check in on your forecast over at the First Alert Weather Center. And good Thursday morning. I'm meteorologist Joey Silvat. Another nice start out the door this morning. Not quite as chilly as our mornings earlier this week. Temperatures will be climbing through the 60s and 70s this morning. Hit about 80 at lunchtime and low 80s early this afternoon with a partly cloudy sky. Tomorrow we'll see a few more clouds, but still dry and still warm at 82. But a cold front comes through Friday night, changes everything for the weekend. Cloudy, cool, and occasional. Wet. We do expect some scattered showers both Saturday and on Sunday. High temperature Saturday at 62, only 57 for a high temperature on Sunday. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast, powered by the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Now, let's get to your morning headlines. City of Charleston voters were prepared to elect a new mayor Tuesday, but now they'll have to return to the polls in just under two weeks for a runoff election. Former state representative William Cogswell ended with 36% of the vote, just ahead of incumbent John Tecklenburg with 32%. Cogswell says the overwhelming support of voters shows Charleston wants change when it comes to traffic, affordability, and crime. Tecklenburg, however, says the improvements to the police department and infrastructure he's implemented over the last eight years show he gets things done. That runoff election will take place from 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. on November 21st. You can vote early next Wednesday, November 15th through Friday, November 17th. This week, Charleston voters overwhelmingly supported a $70 million bond to fund park projects for the next 10 years. Melissa Rademacher explains what's next now that that vote has passed. People voted in favor of using property tax dollars to pay for park upgrades as a part of the Parks Department 10-year master plan, which leaders say is a great step. But it will be a while before any of the work gets going. The money from the bond won't be available until one full year from the vote. And the planning and design phase for each project on the list can take a few years. Now the Parks Department can start designing upgraded aquatic centers at Forest Park, James Island, and Bees Ferry Landing, and looking at purchasing land on the Canehoy Peninsula for new athletic fields. Swimmers and parents alike at Forest Park, one of the priority projects, say they love the pool and look forward to the upgrades that will allow people to enjoy it year-round in the future. I like about the pool is there's a little side area where you can do some laps around there. Yeah, I think it's great anytime you are investing in the community uh, and furthermore investing in facilities that are going to help children as they develop, to be honest with you. You can find a full project list of what the bond referendum hopes to fund in the next 10 years on our website. In West Ashley, Melissa Rademacher, Live 5 News. The voters have decided short-term rentals owned by investors on the Isle of Palms will not be limited. A 54% majority of voters rejected the referendum that would have capped rentals at 1,600. IOP had more than 1,700 short-term rentals back in March. Of those, nearly 1,600 were investment rentals that would have counted toward the cap. IOP officials say the cap was meant to preserve the quality of life on the island, and something similar could be drafted in the future. For now, officials expressed interest in traffic laws and noise ordinances as an alternative. 
In Beaufort County, voters approved a $439 million bond referendum to be used for school improvements countywide. It builds off of a 2019 bond referendum and will include a new elementary school in Bluffton, the rebuilding of Hilton Head Island High School, and replacement of Ladies Island Middle School. Bluffton High School, May River High School, and Beaufort High School will all receive expansions to their career and technical education programs. Some schools will also see upgrades to parking lots, sidewalks, HVAC and furniture. Officials say there's a five-year timeline for the projects in the referendum. The South Carolina Board of Education is considering a new uniform policy for reviewing and selecting instructional materials. The board will take it up during its meeting next week. Officials say the new process is designed to create a cohesive standard for determining whether materials are age and developmentally (coughs) appropriate as well as educationally suitable. The policy would also set up an appeals process so those who are trying to get books banned who are not satisfied with decisions at the local level can take their case to the State Board of Education. The American Civil Liberties Union, or ACLU, says the new policy would take the decision-making power and authority away from local leaders. The group argues local, trained educators should be the ones calling the shots. (coughs) November is Native American Heritage Month, and to celebrate, the Dorchester Heritage Center is hosting a free event this evening featuring the Edisto Noji Kuso tribe. The event will provide a look into the tribe's rich history and promote community engagement. Life Five's Destiny Kennedy joins us this morning in Somerville at a farmhouse at the Ponds where that event will take place. So, Destiny, what is the significance of this particular location? Katie, Shelby, this land once belonged to the tribe, so organizers felt it was only right to host the event here. The Edisto Nojikuso tribe are also known as the Charleston tribe or Colleton County tribe. Documentation of the tribe's history here goes all the way back to the 1500s. National Native American Heritage Month allows the tribe to share its history, connect with the community, and debunk misconceptions and stereotypes. In addition to the historical teaching, the tribal council members will present a cultural exhibition to showcase the traditions, art, and practices of the Edisto Nochokuso tribe. I had the opportunity to speak with Sabrina Creel, who is a tribe council board member and acting tribal secretary. She explains how events like this allows the tribe to make their presence known. As we know, the history books only give you a little bit. Um, But it gives us a chance to actually share the truth uh, about our heritage, about where we're at now today, um, that we're not extinct, as as people like to think. Um, It was just one of the things that, as a child, that I was told that we were extinct. So how could I be here? The event kicks off this evening at 6 to 7.30 p.m. here at the farmhouse. Reporting live in Somerville, Destiny Kennedy, Live 5 News. A unique concept combining a hotel and residential space into one building could be making its way to the peninsula. Yesterday, Charleston city leaders reviewed plans for two mixed-use buildings proposed for George and Society Streets. The building on Society Street will hold 50 hotel rooms on four floors and residential space on three floors, while the George Street building will mix residential and retail space. The proposal will still have to undergo another review and submit, uh, submit permitting packages before construction begins.
The North Charleston Police Department says it has gotten 16 noise complaint calls in just one month from people living near the Montague Room restaurant. But the owner claims the business has become a political target. The owner tells us many people believe North Charleston City Councilman Jerome Hayward owns or partially owns the restaurant. But she tells us that that's not true. While Wanda Woods residents claim they hear loud outdoor live music often at nighttime, the restaurant owner there, Michelle Stint, believes the complaints are being made with a different goal in mind. Those neighbors uh, think that the councilman is involved with the Montague room um, as an owner and that they, for whatever reason, don't approve of him. So I think that's where it's coming from. And while Councilman Hayward declined to speak with us, neighbors in nearby Wanda Woods say they don't see this as a political matter. They say it's all about loud music late at night. And so I understand places that are, are having uh, operational hours after 10 o'clock, but they need to be respectful of, of the surrounding communities also. Starting this week, Stent moved the live music from 8 to 11 p.m. rather than 8.30 to 11.30. And she's encouraging anyone to reach out to her directly to better cooperate moving forward. Incentivizing good behavior for South Carolina inmates. That helps maintain family bonds while they're incarcerated and promoting literacy. Those are all of the goals of a unique program within South Carolina prisons. Through that South Carolina Department of Corrections program, inmates can record themselves reading bedtime stories to their children. These special books help remind hundreds of children that their parents still love them, even when they can't be there physically with them. State officials say programs like this help reduce recidivism in South Carolina by keeping hope alive for what life can be like after prison. Education uh, is vitally important to um, stopping the, the cycle of uh, incrimination. Um, and then it's also vitally important to um, returning safely to society for that job, for that future, for that connection to, um, to society. While the initiative was developed back in 2016, it got a new name yesterday, Riley's Readers. It's now named after former U.S. Secretary of Education and South Carolina Governor Dick Riley, who officials say is synonymous with education. Nearly 500 books with recordings have been given to inmates' families through this program. South Carolina Attorney General Alan Wilson is announcing the expansion of a program aimed at helping sexual assault victims. Now, that program provides free follow-up care and HIV testing and treatment for victims. Wilson says the program provides life-saving treatment to prevent having to worry about contracting STDs after an assault, keeping survivors from being further victimized. Individuals qualify if they're victims of sexual assault in South Carolina, visited an infectious disease clinic within three days of that assault, and meet CDC criteria for HIV exposure. At the top of the show, I told you that Rolling Stone magazine began publication on this date in 1967. So, Who did the magazine select for its first cover? They picked a legend. It was John Lennon who appeared on that first cover. Celebrating birthdays on this Thursday, actor Eric Dane is 51. Country singer Corey Smith is 42. And country singer Chris Lane is 39. Thank you so much for joining us for Morning Y'all, powered by Live 5 News. I'm Katie Kamen. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Morning Y'all is produced every weekday morning. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and download the Live 5 News app for your mobile device. Get the latest news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.